Now, this is our last week in our series on the prophecies of the Messiah. And over the four weeks, we have been looking at four different prophecies. Now, there are a lot more prophecies about the Messiah in the Old Testament. And the first week, we we explored what it means that the Messiah brings in the new covenant. In the second week, we had a look at the Messiah being the cornerstone, the foundation upon what we build our lives, what we build our faith, and what gives us the boundaries. Jesus is our cornerstone. Last week, we had a look at the prophecy that predicted, that said that the Messiah will be God's son. And we celebrate and we know that our God, the God's son is Jesus Christ. This week we are going to be having a look at the prophecy found in Isaiah 52 and 53 and we'll be looking at how the Messiah was the suffering servant which takes us all the way into the passion and death of Jesus Christ and his resurrection. But before we get too far into this, I want to kind of remind us the reason why we're having a look at the prophecies of the Messiah that it's actually leading us up to Christmas. Now, Christmas, we get wrapped up in a whole lot of things. No pun intended. At least somebody got it. I said I'll try and make it a little bit lighter because we're going to go into some heavy stuff in a moment. But we, we get wrapped up in a lot of things, you know, the, the, the food, the gifts, the, all the different things. I actually, I was out the other week um, and I took this photograph and it really struck me how much that commercialisation has replaced the actual meaning of Christmas at the birth of Jesus. Candy canes, presents, reindeers, Santas, all these kind of things. And so it's really important for us to actually understand why we actually celebrate Christmas. What is the prophecies that predicted the birth of Christ? What is the prophecies that said what the Messiah, the chosen one, will be. Now, the question is, what does it mean, the Messiah? Now, those who have been here for three weeks should be able to answer me straight away. The anointed one. Well done. We've at least got somebody who was paying attention. The anointed one. The Messiah literally means the anointed one. The one on whom God has placed special purpose. Now, we we realise when we come to actually understand what, what that actually means... The Messiah is not an object. And we we can anoint things as objects to give them special purposes. But the person, the Messiah, the one who is chosen, God's very son, has been appointed and placed as in this special, special person. The Messiah is the one who fulfills the covenants of old, who brings the salvation to all people. And so we know that the Messiah, and we, we, we know this for ourselves, the Messiah is Jesus Christ. But we also realise that we need to also define for ourselves what it means to have a prophecy. What is a prophecy? Anybody want to have a go at what a prophecy is? I know Kerry can tell me. A prophecy is those special miracles of knowledge. 
you know, it's not just looking at the situations in the world and going, oh, I'm really good at picking what the future's going to be. It's actually special, miraculous knowledge given by God to individuals to help the community of faith either understand that there's going to be something happening in the future or to correct something that is happening right now. It is that special knowledge given by God of foresight, of discernment, so that we can actually understand the thread of, of God's great plan all through the Old Testament and into the New Testament. And today the prophecy that we're going to focus upon is about how the Messiah is going to be, the, will be, the suffering servant. And as I said, we find this in Isaiah, mainly in Isaiah 53. This amazing passage of scripture was written about 700 years before Jesus was born. Yet it captures more than any other kind of piece of the, the Old Testament, really, of the essence and nature, the very reason why Jesus came and why he died on the cross. The details of this prophecy really focus in on the pain and the suffering that Jesus will go through. It's a prophecy of the Messiah. Let me put it up, just the sections that I want us to just really focus on just at the moment, and we're going to go through in depth some of these. So up on the screen will be Isaiah 53, verse 3, through to verse 6. He was despised and rejected, a man of sorrow. So th this is actually a prophecy about the Messiah. This is what's going to happen to the Messiah. He was despised and rejected, a man of sorrow acquainted with the deepest griefs. We turned our backs on him and looked the other way. He was despised and we did not care. Sometimes I think that is really kind of a statement of what the world's like today about Jesus himself. We turn our back on, on God so often. Yet it was our weakness he carried. It was our sorrows that weighed him down. And we thought his troubles were a punishment from God, a punishment for his own sins. But he was pierced for our rebellion, crushed for our sins. He was beaten so that we could be whole. And he was whipped so we could be healed. All of us, like sheep, have strayed away. We have left God's past to follow our own. Yet the Lord laid on him the sins of us all. See, this is a statement of what the Messiah is going to do. It's going to be, be like and will be glorified through Christ and through his actions. So what I want to do this week, and what we've been doing each week, is to have a look at the prophecies and then have a look at the fulfilment. Now, this prophecy is so dense. It's got so much material in it that we actually really have to break it down into its various little segments and see where each of those parts come into play and come into fulfilment. So the first part of this prophecy that I want you to kind of understand is that there's this section... It's in Isaiah 52.14 and 53.2-3, which is just a little bit before we read. And it says that the Messiah would be disfigured by the suffering, 
by his suffering. Does this bring to mind anything that we know of the story of Jesus? See, Jesus, he was struck, he was spat upon and he was mocked. Let me just put it up on the screen for you so you can hear, so hear the words found in the New Testament that fulfills this very part of that prophecy. They dressed him in a purple robe. This is from Mark's Gospel. They dressed him in a purple robe and they wove thorn branches into a crown and they put it on his head. Then they saluted him, taunted him and hailed King of the Jews. And then they struck him on the head with a reed stick, spit on him and dropped to the knee in mocking worship. Can you see how the disfigured suffering servant is spat upon, is beaten, is struck, is mocked, fulfills the part of the disfigured suffering servant. We can see the passion of Christ, what he goes through at Easter time. And we can never disassociate Christmas from Easter. We wouldn't have Christmas if it wasn't for Easter. And so it's so important for us to actually really hone in and understand this. Another part of the prophecy that we get from Isaiah 52 and 53 is this, that the, the Messiah would come from humble beginnings. wasn't a rich king. And this is, I think, where, where a lot of people got mixed up. They thought the Messiah was going to be this king that was going to come in and ride on a big white horse and you know, conquer kings and queens and get the Israel people to be back together and be this ruler Except it says that the Messiah would come from humble beginnings. And what do we have here? From Luke 2, we see that the Messiah actually grew up in Nazareth. And Nazareth was a city, and it was actually a city that was very poor in reputation. It didn't have a great deal of respect. And it wasn't somewhere where the people thought the Messiah would come from. So Luke 2, verses 39 to 40 says this, And when Jesus' parents had fulfilled all the requirements of the law of the Lord, they returned home to where? They returned home to Nazareth in Galilee. There the child grew up healthy and strong, and he was filled with wisdom, and God's favour was upon him. And if we jump to, to the verse 51 as well, we also see that, Then he returned to Nazareth with them and was obedient to them. And his mother stored all these things in his heart. So you can see that in these passages, where did Jesus grow up? Where did he come from? Where was the location? Was it from royal places or humble beginnings found in Nazareth? It's from humble beginnings. And we see the prophecy is fulfilled. I said this was going to be much more in-depth in looking at this prophecy. And then... The the next part of the prophecy that I want you to actually understand is this, is that Isaiah says the Messiah would be rejected by many. The Messiah would be rejected. Why would the one to come to bring fulfilment to the covenant be rejected by many? And we see it happens. Matthew 27, verses 39 to 44. This is going to be a little bit more of this, the people passing shouted abuse, shaking their heads in mockery. And you can see this is where Jesus is carrying the cross to Golgotha. 
Look at you. They yelled at him. You said you were going to destroy the temple and rebuild it in three days. Well then, if you are the son of God, son of God. And what was the thing that we, that we heard about the Messiah? What was he going to be called? The son of God. Even in this, this, this piece of scripture here, we can see them ascribing him as the Messiah. If you are the son of God, save yourself and come down from the cross. They're mocking him. They're rejecting him. The leading priests, the teachers of the religious lords, the elders also mocked Jesus and rejected him. He saved others, they scoffed, but he can't save himself. So he is the king of Israel, is he? Let him come down from the cross right now and we will believe in him. They wanted this miraculous sight right there, right now, but they rejected the Messiah. They rejected Jesus. He trusted God. So let God rescue him now if he wants him. For he said, I am the son of God. You can see the description of the Messiah statement. And even the revolutionaries, and I love the way the New Living Translation puts it, instead of just criminals, the revolutionaries, the ones that wanted to overthrow, even the revolutionaries who were crucified with him ridiculed him in the same way. You can see that the Messiah, that Jesus Christ, the one that was predicted, that was prophesied to be rejected by many, many people, was rejected by those people on the side of the road, by the teachers and the leaders of the temple, by the authorities and by even those who were condemned to die alongside of him. He was rejected by them. Jesus is fulfilling this prophecy of the suffering servant found in Isaiah. More, more on this prophecy. This is such a really in-depth prophecy. And it says Jesus would, the Messiah would, Jesus would bear our sins and suffer in our place. And isn't this an amazing thing? This comes down to the crux of it. This is faith 101. Understanding what Jesus has done, that he bears our sins and he suffers in our place. No greater love than this could happen. I'm going to share with you the piece of scripture that that really nails it and puts it into a a small, succinct verse for us. It comes from 1 Peter, chapter 2, verse 24. And it says this, He personally carried our sins in his body on the cross so that we can be dead to sin and live For what is right, by his wounds you are healed. What a great thing. What a great thing for us to realise. That the suffering servant, that Jesus Christ, the one prophesied and predicted, the one we celebrate at Christmas, and the one we really celebrate at Easter, is the one who allowed us to have close, real access with God. Through his death on the cross, our sins were placed upon him and they have been removed from us because of what Jesus has done. It is a love that keeps on going. He did it once and for all, everybody. And we can all accept that and take it with us. 
It also says that the suffering servant, the Messiah, would heal many people. So if we have a look in, in Matthew's Gospel, we see that at least one of these, many healings, and if you read through the Gospels, you'll find that Jesus heals many, many, many people. That evening, many demon-possessed people were brought to Jesus. He cast out the evil spirits with a simple command and he healed all the sick. This fulfilled the word of the Lord. That through the, through the prophet Isaiah who said, he took our sicknesses and removed our diseases. And you see how even the, the gospel writer of Matthew's gospel is actually saying that Jesus is the Messiah, the fulfillment of the prophecies of the Messiah. He's the one that you have been waiting for. Have we been waiting for Jesus all of our lives? And the answer is yes, because we are searching for something that is bigger and greater than ourselves. Isaiah is such a dense piece of scripture, we've got more prophecies to keep on going. We've got more to this prophecy about the suffering servant. The next thing that I want you to have a look at is, is this, that that the Messiah voluntarily took on our punishment upon himself. That Jesus took our punishment voluntarily for us. I am the good shepherd and the good shepherd sacrifices his life for the sheep. Found in John's Gospel. A statement from Jesus himself about what he's doing and what he's going to do. He is the one that wants to bring everybody close to God, together to God, and he will sacrifice, he has sacrificed himself for each and every one of you. Isaiah also says that the Messiah would remain silent during his suffering. I love how this just kind of, you start reading the New Testament, you start reading the story of Jesus' sacrifice on the cross and you start actually seeing this prophecy come to fulfilment time and time again throughout all that scripture. I think it's wonderful and amazing. Let's just jump into, we're going to jump into Matthew's gospel now just to see how this is fulfilled, how Jesus remains silent in the face of the suffering. You know, I don't know about you and me, but have you ever been accused of something that you hadn't done? Accused of things, and even if you've been accused of something that you've actually done, you know what most people do? They defend themselves, don't they? Even, even though you may be guilty, you defend yourself. But what does the Messiah do? He remains silent. Let's just have a look. Let's actually have a look at this fulfillment of this prophecy by Jesus when he's facing the high priests. See, he, he, he remained silent in front of Herod, in front of Pontius Pilate, and in front of the, the Jewish council, the Sanhedrin. And here he is in Matthew's Gospel. And let, let's have a look at it. And then the high priest stood up and said to Jesus, well, aren't you going to answer these charges? What do you have to say for yourself? But Jesus remained silent. How does that remain silent? And then the high priest said to him, I demand in the name of the living God, tell us if you are, notice this, if you are the Messiah, the Son of God. 
He's asking directly, Jesus, are you the Son of God? And Jesus replied, you've said it. And in the future, you'll see the Son of Man seated in the place of power at God's right hand and coming on the clouds of heaven. So in other words, he doesn't actually say, enter him directly. He's saying, well, you've said it. You've seen it. He remains silent against his accusers, but at the same time still declaring that he is the Son of God. And he completes the prophecy found in Isaiah, that he remained silent during his suffering. Even when it was said, I have the power to free you, tell me. He remained silent because he knew the path needed to go to the cross so that our sins could be forgiven. It also says that the Messiah in Isaiah would die. And we know this, don't we? We know this version. We know this part of the story. But in John's Gospel. But when they came to Jesus, they saw that he was already dead. And that's after he'd been on the cross, hanging there for a certain amount of time. So they didn't break his legs. See, what would happen is that if they wanted the crucifixion to speed up, for the people to die, they would come along and they would break their legs so they would basically die of asphyxiation, hanging there, they couldn't breathe any longer. It was meant to be a merciful way of speeding up the death, but Jesus was already dead. He'd given up his spirit. And one of the soldiers, however, pierced his side with a spear and immediately blood and water flowed out. And that actual phrase, when he pierced his side, is actually another part of fulfilling that prophecy. That he would die, but he would also be pierced in the side. Now, we're almost right to the end of the sections of prophecies, the very specific parts of this prophecy found in Isaiah 53. Only two more. The next one, he would be buried with a rich man found in Isaiah 53, verse 9. And if we have a look at Matthew, Matthew 27, verses 57 to 60, we actually see that this fulfills that actual statement that he was buried within a rich man. As as the evening approached, Joseph, a rich man from Arimathea, who had become a follower of Jesus, went to Pilate and asked for Jesus' body, and Pilate issued an order to release it to him. And Joseph took the body wrapped it in long sheets of clean cloth and he placed it in his own tomb, in the rich man's own tomb, which had been carved out of the rock. Then he rolled a great stone across the entrance and left. You can see that the prophecy is that the Messiah, the suffering servant, would be buried in a rich man's tomb, but yet he came from a poor and humble place. So it wasn't because of what he had, it's because of the influence he had around him that the rich would even believe and help. And the final part of the prophecy that I want us to really have a look at this, that the suffering servant, the Messiah, would not remain dead, but you would see his seed and prolong his days and he would be exalted. This really 
comes to the heart of the Easter message that Jesus rose from the dead three days after the crucifixion. And he still lives today. And millions and millions and millions of people see themselves saved because of the power of Jesus Christ. Let's have a look at how that is fulfilled just in Scripture. It's a little bit longer. Matthew 28, verse 1 to 10. Early on Sunday morning, as the new day was dawning, Mary Magdalene and the other Mary went out to visit the tomb. Suddenly... There was a great earthquake, and for an angel of the Lord came down from heaven and rolled aside the stone and sat on it. His face shone like the lightning, and his clothes was like white as snow. The guards shook with fear when they saw him, and they fell into a dead faint. Then the angel spoke to the woman, Don't be afraid, he said. I know you are looking for Jesus who was crucified, the Messiah who was killed. He isn't here. He is risen from the dead, just as he said it would happen. Come see where his body was lying. Can you see the fulfillment of the prospect? Jesus was no longer dead. He was killed. He was buried. He was placed in the rich man's tomb. And yet he's risen to life again. And through that, through the Holy Spirit, through everything, we see the work of God fulfilled in Jesus on the cross and raised again to new life in many, many people. But you see that while this prophecy of the suffering servant is so important and we can see that it is made complete in Jesus Christ, we need to realise that it's more than More than just the passion, the crucifixion of Christ. It's actually a life-changing. It's one of the most major, important prophecies, life-changing prophecies that help us understand that the passion of Jesus didn't begin with his humiliation, but with his exaltation. So in Isaiah 52, it says, See, my servant will prosper and he will be highly exalted. So even in the midst of all of these, the suffering servant, the Messiah is the one who is exalted. My servant, the Messiah, will prosper. It's amazing to know that this prospering has accomplished the salvation for all of us. I want to share with you an illustration. And, you know, in, in preparing a lot of this material for, for this series on the prophecies of the Messiah, I used some references from um, Jews for Jesus. And they have this illustration which I thought gives us the power that we kind of really need to understand in Isaiah 53. Lee is a... This is the story of Lee. She's a 25-year-old Jewish woman who'd been searching for answers to her spiritual questions. When faced with the question, was Jesus who he claimed to actually be, 
She wanted the answer to be no, that Jesus wasn't the Messiah. Lee confessed that I started to actually see that Jesus is the Messiah. But if I actually accept it, I'm also rejecting the faith of my fathers who did not believe in Jesus. Because I love my dad. I loved him more than anything else in the world. And I just can't accept this because my dad didn't accept it. However, Lee was challenged to read Isaiah 53. So Lee found her dad's old, faded Hebrew scriptures. And opening it up to the passage in question, she made two astounding discoveries. First, the passage really did sound like it was describing Jesus. And the second, her father had circled the entire chapter. And in the margin, he had written messianic prophecy. Yeshua is Messiah. Lee just had to ask, who is Yeshua? And when she understood that Yeshua was the Jewish way to say Jesus, it dawned on her that this is a convincing passage indeed. And even to her father had not been able to dismiss it. And within two weeks, Lee acknowledged that Jesus fitted the description of the suffering servant. So I want to ask you this question. Is Jesus the Messiah for you? Is Jesus the one who fulfills all of the prophecies found in the Old Covenant, found in the Old Testament? Is Jesus the one that fulfills you? Jesus' actions on the cross showed us that there is no greater love that God has for his people. And this is where we are heading in the next weeks leading up to and including Christmas. To actually really examine what it means that God loves us. That there is no greater love found than in the birth of Jesus Christ. That brings us salvation. Jesus came to pay the debt. A debt he didn't know. But we owed that debt. And he paid it. God has done everything possible so that we may have a close relationship with our Lord and our Saviour. Do you believe that that God has sent Jesus to bring a new covenant that his own son would be the cornerstone upon who we can trust to build our life upon? The one that didn't shy away from this cross of suffering. Have you actually accepted by faith, the work that, of redemption that was made possible through Jesus' sacrifice and by the shedding of his blood. He was our substitute and we can trust in Jesus today. So if this has actually touched you, if this has actually convinced you that Jesus Christ is the way, is the Messiah, is the one that is promised 
in the Old Testament is fulfilled in the New Testament. It is what we celebrate at Christmas and what we celebrate at Easter is the one that challenges us. Then I want you to pray with me right now. I want you to express your heart to God in this prayer. A gracious Heavenly Father, I know that you, that we have broken your laws and my sins have separated me from you. Oh Lord, I am truly sorry. And now I want to turn away from my past sinful life and come towards you. Oh Lord, please forgive me and help me avoid sinning again. I believe that your son, Jesus Christ, died for my sins, was resurrected from the dead and is alive and hears my prayers. I invite Jesus to become the Lord of my life and to rule and reign in my heart from this day forward. Please send your Holy Spirit to help me obey you and to do your will for the rest of my life. In the name of Jesus, I pray. Amen.